Welcome to the Hope Unlimited Church podcast. We are so honored to connect with you, and we pray that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Good morning. It's a little change of pace for me, huh? Um, so um, I really appreciate everything that Tom said. And Tom, you guys don't really may not know about Tom, was Tom was like the dad to everybody at RSM. Tom was the one that would come up to you and hug you and tell, me, tell you how much he loved you, but he also wasn't afraid to say, now you know you're in the wrong, right? You know, you got to make this right. And that's something that you should honor and look up to. And so I just honor Tom and I just thank you for being just that extra father figure to me and to my husband. Um, so like I said, it's a little change of pace for me. Um, I will give you guys a little bit of a secret. This is the first time that I've ever preached. So can we all just come into an agreement right now that we're going to give Emily grace? How does that feel? Can we just give Emily a little bit of grace this morning? There, and I'm saying, so my voice is kind of all over the place, um, but I might just keep referencing back to my notes, but I'm excited. And um, I told Wes when they first asked me to speak, because here's what happened. So I'm at my sister's volleyball game, and I get a call that they're doing a leadership Zoom call, and they need someone to speak. Wes volunteered me. I wasn't there. So I get a call from Wes and Wes said, so they want you to speak. And I'm like, no, are you kidding? I don't do that. He's like, you can do it. And as soon as I said no, I felt something jump in me. And I was like, no, Emily, you have to. There's something burning on the inside of you that they haven't got to hear yet. And I knew I had to, as much as it killed my pride. I was like, tell them I'll do it. Um, but I'm excited. I'm really, really excited. I know that I feel something that's burning on the inside of me. I feel like um, it's something that anytime I get around anybody and like my friends and we hang out, I feel like this topic is something that I can't help but talk about. It's like, it like leaps out of me and it just ends up being the conversation. Um, and what that is, is community. It actually goes into what everything that we've been talking about the past few weeks, um, family and what that looks like. And so I've got some things that I want to talk to you guys about. I've also got some like pointers and like some little bullet points I want you guys to take. So throughout this, if you have your phone, if you have a notepad, just be jotting down some things and I'll make sure to let you guys know. But before we start, what I want to say is, can we all just pray? Can you guys just lift your hands across this room really quick? And we're all just going to pray. So Holy Spirit... Father, I just thank you, first of all, for the opportunity that I get to stand on this platform where so many incredible speakers, leaders, and pastors have spoke, and I get to release the word that's on the inside of me. God, I ask right now that your voice would come through my mouth and that you would reach every heart that's in this room, God. I ask that you'd open all of the ears and all of the spirits that are here, every voice that is listening online and watching. I ask you'd open their eyes and open their ears, be able to, to receive their spirits would leap with what you have for them this morning. And so I just thank you. I give you all the glory. And in Jesus' name, amen. Um, also, before I get started, I just want to thank, I know Pastor Casey's not here this morning. I just want to thank Pastor Casey. Can you guys just give it up for our pastor? <laughs> pastor Casey and Lindsay, like I say this to people all the time. 
I, I probably would have never just uprooted and moved my life to Knoxville. But when Pastor Casey asked me, there's just something about him. And when he asked me to come, I was like, are you kidding? Of course. Like there's no, there's just no greater leader. And we are just so honored and so blessed. So Pastor Casey, I thank you for this opportunity. I don't take this lightly. Um, I take this with a very, very um, thankful and excited heart. So what I want you guys to do first is I want you to turn to your Bibles. Um, Charlie has it up on the screen if you don't have yours. I want you to turn to Acts 2, verses 42. And we're going to read just a couple of verses. <clears throat> and I'm going to start with the Passion Translation. And so that's what Charlie's going to put up on the screen. Um, if you have a different translation, it's totally fine. And it says, Every believer was faithfully devoted to following the teachings of the apostles. Their hearts were mutually linked to one another, sharing communion and coming together regularly for prayer. A deep sense of holy awe swept over everyone and the apostles performed many miracles, signs, and wonders. All of the believers were in fellowship as one body and they shared with one another whatever they had. Out of generosity, they even sold their assets to distribute the proceeds to those who were in need among them. Daily, they met together in the temple courts and in one another's homes to celebrate communion. They shared meals together with joyful hearts and tender humility. They were continually filled with praises to God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord kept adding to their number daily to those who were coming to life. So I want you, Charlie, I want you to put the first one back up on the screen, 42. So when I read this verse, um, something leaped inside of me, especially after everything we've been talking about, um, just being a family and what that looks like. <clears throat> and the first word that leaped out to me was they were faithfully devoted. And that word devoted stuck out to me. And so I looked it up and it literally means lovingly loyal they were devoted to the teachings that they were doing. They were lovingly loyal to everything that they were teaching, everything that they were receiving. They were loyal to it. They were connected to it. They said, yes, this is what we want for our homes. This is what we want for our spirits. This is what we want for our hearts. And so that word leaped out to me and I thought, wow, Lord, let us be devoted to everything as a church body. Let us be devoted to everything that we hear. Let us cling to the word. When our leaders get up and they speak, let us say, yes, that's what I want for my life. Not that we would reject anything that they would say and say, well, I don't really know how much I believe that. I know that there are certain situations where we say, you know, I take what I feel and you know, I there's this like, quote you guys know that's um, eat the meat, spit out the bones. You guys have heard that. And you know, I'm all for that, but I feel like there's something about when you connect with a church body and you guys come together, there is something about you that says everything that this house is going toward, that's what I need. That's what I want. That's what I want for my family. That's what I need for my spiritual walk. And so I want you guys to just write that word down, devoted. And I want you guys to just begin to think about what that looks like for your life. What are some things that you guys need as families, as couples, as parents? What are the things that you need that you could be loyal to, that you could be lovingly loyal to, that you could give everything? The next thing that stuck out to me, and I loved this verse, it was actually verse 46. It says, they met together and in one another's homes. So what was so cool about that is that it didn't just say they met at church. 
They like went to church together and then they were like, love you guys, see you next Sunday. No, it says they met in each other's homes and they had communion together. That doesn't mean they sat around and asked Holy Spirit to come and blow and that they had this church service at their house. No, 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 they sat at their tables. They ate dinner together. They had communion, they fellowship, they talked about their day. They talked about the things that they were going through. They asked, hey, I need some prayer. Could you just come into agreement with me? They, they sat together, they did life together. This wasn't just, I'm here for once a week or maybe on Wednesday if I get off work early enough or if I'm up to coming on Wednesday because you know it's during the week and it kind of disrupts everything that's going on in my life. No, no, they said that they went and met in each other's homes and they commune together. And I literally, when I read that, I thought that is what we're seeking. When we say community, like Pastor Casey's been saying, we're not talking about Sunday morning. I come in here, I see you, I wave to you. We maybe play cornhole in the parking lot. No, 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 we do life together. We commune, we eat, we, we go to coffee together. We hang out, we play games together. We watch football games together. We watch basketball games together. We do life. And so that was something, <laughs> yes, roll tide. That was something that was so exciting to me that I want you guys to cling to this morning that we get to do life together. And it says here that that's what they did. Not only that, but it says in the scripture that after they developed, they were devoted to the teachings and after they met in each other's homes, it says, then miraculous signs and wonders happened. Not because they came to church and they lifted their hands and they prayed and they asked. It was after they began to develop community together and they developed unity together. That is when the miraculous signs and wonders were formed because everybody's spirits were in aligned. And so they got to step into, this is what revival looks like. This is what healing looks like. This is what my family being saved looks like. They got to step into everything that God had had for them on a silver platter, but until they could step into unity in everybody's hearts in one accord, that is when everything happened for them. You guys hearing me this morning? Is that good? I, I don't know if that's good for you, but that was good for me. And when I heard that, I said, that's what I need. When I need something healed in my life, when I need broken pieces back together, I need my family. I need my unity. I need the people that I do life with to come into agreement with me because I don't know if that can happen with measly old me just sitting in my room saying, I don't know where this faith is, Lord. I don't think I have it. No, I need my family. I need Wes to come into agreement when we're sitting at the dinner table at night and say, I'm with you, babe. I need to be able to call my friends and say, I need you guys to pray. I need you guys to come into agreement with me. And then things break. Then things change. Then things happen. So this morning, I was so excited about that because it also says in these scriptures that they, sorry, let me find my uh, thing here. They broke bread from house to house with sincere hearts. They didn't sit together and just say, well, I'm doing this because this is what Emily told me to do. No, 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 sincere sincere hearts. This was something that they were like, we need each other and we love each other. And this is why we do this. Not because Pastor Casey said to, not because even, not even because the Bible said to, no, 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 because we have sincere hearts and we love each other and we love one another. And we have every desire to see this church help be a part of what is happening in Knoxville. You guys do realize that this city is being changed one day at a time. And it's not because Pastor Casey moved here. 
you do realize that it's because every single one of you have something on the inside of you. And when you get together and you get surrounded by people whose spirits are in line with yours, you get the same thing that Pastor Casey gets when he stands up here. The same thing that Tom gets, that Pastor Cole gets, that every single one of us get when we stand up here and you guys look at us like, wow, they have all this gifting. No, that same thing's on the inside of you and it won't happen until we come into agreement and we say, this is what we're living for. Come on, is that good? Come on, I, I know you guys talk back to Pastor Casey, but I need you to talk back to me too. Yeah. <clears throat> so something along with the lines of sincere hearts that I've talked to so many people about is what is our motivation for loving people just for the sake of loving people? Why are you loving someone? Why do you spend time with someone? Is it because they like make you laugh? or they're like really giving, so they like are really good cooks, or because they actually like have a lot of faith, so you're hoping that their prayers will break through the heavens, or are you loving them just because of who they are? Are you loving them just because God loves them? And something that checked my heart when I started thinking about that was, am I really loving people for what I can get from them? Am I really loving people because they're like funny to be around. They make me laugh. I know that's like a good, that's something good to have in a relationship. But how selfish is that? I'm only spending time with you and hanging out with you and loving on you because you make me feel good. And that literally gripped me. And the more I started thinking about it, I just couldn't shake the fact that why are we not loving people just for the sake of loving them? Why are we searching for something that makes us feel good or what can they give to me or what can they do for me or do they have a big enough flat screen TV so I can go and watch the game? Like, in all seriousness, as, as awful as that sounds, we think those things. We do. We think about, well, I like hanging out with them because they're funny. That's great, but who are they? Have you got to know what's really down deep on the inside of them and who God has called them to be? Because I promise you, if you would search deep enough, you'd find some gold in every single person that you meet. You'd find a little bit of gold in every single person that you connect with. And I know that's hard to hear, but here's something that I was checked with a few days ago. You will always find something in people you don't like if you look hard enough. But here's the thing about family. How many of you guys have siblings? I'm sure if I asked you right now, what's something that your brother does that bothers you? You could think right now. Does that change anything about the way you love them? You love them just as hard, and those things are easy to look over because you're family. And so that is what I want you guys and us as a church to think about is that one thing that you find that you looked hard enough to find in that one person that's like, that's so annoying, I can't even be around them. If that was really your brother, you could. If that was really your sister, you could, because they're family. And so when we shift our mindsets to think, this is my sister, I love her in spite of everything. This is my brother, I love him in spite of everything. And when you guys change your mindsets and we change our mindsets, when I change my mindset, I can look at you differently. You, the little thing that you do that's kind of like, I don't know why they feel the need to do that. I can look over that because you're my sister 
and because I love you and because I don't care, we'll sort all that stuff out later. Because when we get to know each other and we get to talk, yeah, that little insecurity that's on the inside of you that makes you kind of like do things that kind of are yuck, that pride that comes up. When I get to know you and I find out the real you, we can help heal those things. We can talk through those things. We can help bring those things to light because now I've gotten to know the real you and I'm not stiff arming you because of that one little thing. Does that make sense? So like I said, understanding the word of love like brothers and sisters. I want you to turn to Romans 12, verse nine. This is where I wanna kind of transition into the way we love each other. Charlie, do you have that verse? Romans 12, 9. In the Passion Translation, it says, let the inner movement of your heart always be to love one another and never play the role of an actor wearing a mask. I, oh, I love the Passion Translation, but sometimes it's so like 2020 that it's like, ugh. Like I read it sometimes. Could you read like, you know, like NIV or King James Version? You're like, oh, that sounds so like heavenly. And like, oh, that sounds so like just... When you read the Passion Translation, it says, don't wear a mask. Don't be an actor. Don't fake it. How like gut-wrenching is that to think, oh, that's what we do. We literally, we fake it. We literally put on our fake little mask on Sundays and we're like, yeah, I love you. And then we turn around and walk away and we're like, oh, they get on my nerves. I mean, that's, that's the reality of it. We're people, we do that. And so the word says, let the inner movement of your heart always, not sometimes, always, not just the people that you enjoy being around, always be to love each other and never play the role of an actor wearing a mask. It says, be devoted, there's that word again, be devoted, lovingly loyal, to tenderly loving your fellow believers as members of one family. One family. Not this clique, not that clique, not the few of you that hang out over here, not just our leadership team. No, 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 it's one family, all together. <clears throat> Try to outdo yourselves in respect and honor of one another. That is so cool that the word literally tells us to try to outdo yourself. So one day when you think that you were awesome and you loved someone and that you felt like you had a really good day of just pouring all your love out on someone, the next day, you have to top that. And then the next day, you have to top that. And then the next day, you have to top that. And you don't get to just stay feeling like you did a good job and like you loved everybody and like you had a great day and you didn't feel any like, you know, yuck in you. Every day, we get better. Every day, we outdo ourselves. Every day, we honor more. Every day, we speak words of truth over people. Every day, we speak, speak words of kindness over people. Every day. Verse 12 says, be patient in affliction. And I think that was actually the um, New King James Version was the line that I got that says, be patient in affliction. So when I, I was reading that and I was thinking about it and I looked up what affliction means, it means times of trouble. So when you have a friend who's struggling and it seems like they're always struggling. There's always something. How many of you guys know people like that? There's always something. 
that this poor person has something going on all of the time. And you want to be their friend, and you want to be there to listen, and you want to be there to, with words of wisdom and kindness and say, yes, I hear you. But as humans, sometimes we get to the point where it's like, oh my gosh, something else. It says, be patient in times of trouble. It also says, love without hypocrisy. So not only does it say we have to be patient in affliction, it means we have to love without hypocrisy, which means whatever you expect someone under give you, if you were to call on a friend and say, I need you here, how would you want their response to be? And if it's that you would want them to love and pour out their love on you and give you every bit of open ears and hear what you have to say and be there to listen and be that friend to you, the word says we are to love without hypocrisy when they do it in return to us. So therefore, when that friend that you're like, come on, come on, you gotta pick yourself up. Come on, I know it's hard. No, no, it says, what, what would you want? What, how would you want them to respond to you? So instead we say, no hypocrisy. I hear you. I hear everything that you're saying. I'm listening with open ears. I want to hear what you have to say. I want to mourn with you. I want to weep with you. I want to be excited with you. I want to cry. I'm here to sit as your friend and listen because that is the same thing that I would want in return. And so we get to stand in their place and say, I'm here. So we open our ears. Something that gets me so excited to talk about. And I'm going to do everything I can to finish all of my notes. Um, but something that gets me so excited to talk about is God's design for friendships. And what I burn for is the fact that God placed relationships here on earth as a way that, like I said earlier, as a way for us to step into breakthrough. It's a way to step to step into healing. It's a way to step into freedom. And so there's this thing that goes around as Christians, and we say it all the time. You have somebody that comes to you with a really tough situation. And how many times do us as, let's just be real, we can be religious and we say, you know what? You just got to pray about it. You just got to pray about it. The Lord will give you an answer. And that doesn't sit right with me. And here's why. Because he gave us friendships, he gave us people, he gave us relationships. And I'm actually jumping in my notes, but I want to go to this. When Jesus was in the garden, he brought his friends and he said, I need you to wait with me for one hour. His friends. He didn't just sit by himself and say, okay, Lord, I'm praying about this. No, no, no. He went and got his friends. He went and got his people. And he said, I need you to wait with me for one hour. I need you guys right now. I need you guys right now. It's his friends. Even Jesus, the son of God, the one who could literally get straight to the throne room said, I need my friends right now. I need my people right now. And when we have a mindset that says, just pray about it. The Lord will give you an answer. The Lord will just answer everything you need. Don't worry about it. We are hindering the very relationships that God put us here for. We are not opening up doors for relationships for people to come in and speak truth to us. I can't tell you how many times I've been in a broken place in my life and one friend that I opened up to had one word of wisdom 
that changed everything. And that thing was broken in that moment. Not because they had, they were some spiritual, no, it was, I'm here with you, I'm listening, but let me just say what I feel for this moment. And there was breakthrough because I came into agreement where there are two or three are gathered. There he is. And he broke that thing in a moment. So when we do not open ourselves up, I know vulnerability is a disgusting word. It's never fun to just think I'm going to literally open myself up to all this vulnerability. I'm going to tell all these, not all these people, I'm going to tell people about all the things that are burning on the inside of me. And it might be gross. And what if they reject me? And what if they don't like me? But what I love is that that was the very design that God created relationships for. It was the very purpose of them. It says, even Jesus, even Jesus. So he had the 5,000, he had his 12, and then he had his three. And what I love about that is that even Jesus said, I love people. I need a team of people that I can call on and I need my people, people that see me ugly, dirty, broken, hurting, weeping. They see all the pieces that we look out and say, oh, if anybody saw me crying like this, if anybody saw me acting like this. But we, as family, get to step into the very thing that Jesus did. When you step into relationships, you step into the very thing that Jesus stepped into. He even said, you need relationships. He showed it with his life. He needed relationships. He needed people. He needed those three in the garden when he said, if you would please just pray with me for one hour. I don't know how, about you guys, but I can't tell you how many times I've called on people and said, if you could please just pray with me. If you could please just sit here and listen to me. If you could just sit here while I cry and just sit and wait with me. I promise I'll be done in a second, but I just need you to just sit with me. And that is the very thing that Jesus did. And when we say that we're not good enough for that or we only need Jesus, you are exactly doing the opposite of what Jesus lived his life doing. So vulnerability is not fun, but it breaks things. The word says, love your neighbor. How many of you guys have heard that verse? I think we've all heard that verse. But when we love rightly, we have access to everything that God wants to give us. I want you to turn one more verse. It's Luke 1, 39. And this is the story of Mary coming to Elizabeth when she found out that she was pregnant with Jesus. And I'm starting at 39, but the passage before that, it is when the angel came to Mary and he says, you're gonna give birth to a son and he is going to be called Emmanuel. And you guys know all of that. And in one of the verses that stuck out to me, it says, the angel said to Mary, consider Elizabeth. And when I read that, I thought, hmm, why is the angel telling her to consider Elizabeth? So I kept reading. Verse 39, chapter one, verse 39. It says, afterward, Mary arose and hurried off to the hill country of Judea, to the village where Zachariah and Elizabeth lived. Arriving at their home, Mary entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the moment she heard Mary's voice, the baby within Elizabeth's womb jumped and kicked. And suddenly, 
Elizabeth was filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. And it goes on and it's like Mary's song. And when I read that, I thought, how interesting that the angel of the Lord came to Mary and said, consider Elizabeth. So immediately I'm thinking, so he's telling her, you need a friend. Consider Elizabeth. What's cool about Elizabeth is Elizabeth was pregnant. So she was in the same season that Mary was in. So she is pregnant, just like Mary is pregnant. The angel says, consider Elizabeth. So consider someone in the same season as you. Consider someone who maybe has already walked through what you've walked through. Consider somebody who might have some wisdom for you, not being afraid to open up to them. And it said, God, it says that she leapt, the baby leapt within Elizabeth. And when I kept reading, it dawned on me, she was pregnant with John the Baptist who was best friends with Jesus. Do you see where I'm getting at here? All of the things that tie into friendships and relationships, even John knew that's my friend. That's who I'm gonna get to know. That's who I'm gonna be with. But my favorite part about this, like I said, is that the angel said, consider Elizabeth. They're in the same season, you guys. They're in the same season of life. They're both pregnant. And Mary comes to her after she's already said to the angel, how can this be? How? So I'm assuming as someone who has had a baby, I'm assuming when that first happens, your first thought is, what am I gonna do? This is gonna change everything. This is going to change my whole life. So she goes to Elizabeth. I'm sure there's a doubt. The word doesn't exactly say that she had doubt, but I'm sure there were a lot of things in her mind, as you can probably imagine, thinking, what are people going to think? What am I going to do? Um, I've never been a mom before. I don't know what this looks like. It says that Elizabeth met her, greeted her. The moment she heard Mary's voice, the baby leapt. And it said, with a loud voice, she prophesied, Mary, you are a woman given the highest favor and privilege above all others. For your child is destined to bring great delight. How did I deserve such a remarkable honor to have the mother of the Lord come and visit me? So not only are they in the same season, not only is her baby leaping, But then she gives her a word of encouragement. It's the first thing she says to her, blessed are you. So when you get along with people who have been in the same season as you, when we stand next to people who've walked through the things that we've walked through, we get encouragement. We get that, blessed are you. I've walked through what you've walked through, you're gonna make it. I've been where you've been, you're gonna see it through. I have I've walked through some fire and I promise you're gonna come out refined. I promise you're gonna walk through without smelling like smoke. I promise that it might feel a little bit yuck in the midst, but I'm standing here today as a testimony and say, you're gonna make it on the other side. And that's what happens when you find people and you link up with people who have been what you've been through and who have come out on the other side. You get encouraged, you get set free, you get healed. I just kept thinking about what that must have looked like for Elizabeth. Not only is she standing there thinking, um, my baby just slept, not knowing that they'd be best friends, not knowing that these two boys would be best friends for life. But she said, how honored am I 
that the mother of the Lord would stand in front of me. So you get connected with the right people and they get the opportunity to be in your presence and say, I get to walk you through this. I get to help walk you through this because the Lord has already taken me there. You get to walk people through what you've already been through. You get the opportunity to stand before people and say, I've been there. Let me walk with you. Let me walk with you. So when you let people open up to you and you do that whole love without hypocrisy thing, you get to walk people through some fire that you've already come out on the other side of. So community gives us opportunity to call on those who have walked through what we've walked through. But, and this is where I want you guys to take a few notes. I've uh, got 10 things I want you guys to write down. I promise I'll try to kind of go fast. Those relationships that we're talking about, they take intentionality. They do not fall in your lap. They don't fall from the sky. You don't get just, you don't get sent to the right church and they just happen. They take intentionality. And here's some 10 pointers that I want to just give you guys on how to do that. Number one, inviting a friend to dinner or lunch. Sometimes it's easy for us to just come to church, see you guys on Sunday, hug you guys, and then we go home. Maybe like somebody's post on Facebook, maybe comment on something that they posted on Instagram. But you get an opportunity in these four years. It it does take a little it does take a little bit of extra effort. I'm not gonna lie to you, I'm not the people think I'm the most extroverted person. I am not. I am comfy on my couch with a blanket. But sometimes it takes that extra bit of I need relationships. I need people. I can't keep sitting and doing this on my own. And I've said this before, and I actually said it when Pastor Casey asked me to talk on worship for a minute, but just because it is unfamiliar territory does not mean it should be untouched. Just because you are uncomfortable and you've never really invited somebody to lunch or you've never invited somebody to coffee or you've never invited somebody over for dinner doesn't mean it should be something you don't do. Just because you've never stepped into that zone before doesn't mean it should be something that you don't have access to. So number one, these are gonna be very practical. Is that okay? This is, these aren't gonna be like super spiritual. These are gonna be pretty practical. Inviting those friends to dinner, lunch, coffee. This one is kind of another point, but it goes along with the first one. Stop waiting on other people to invite you. And that's so easy for us, especially when insecurities start flaring up. We wonder, well, why didn't they invite me to that? Well, why didn't I get to go to that thing? Well, why wasn't that event open to me? Why wasn't I told about that? And then we get into a funk where we sit and we think, nobody likes me. Nobody wants to be around me. I don't even know why I go to this church. Everybody has their own friends. But you have the opportunity to say, no, I'm jumping all in. What are you doing? You going to lunch? Where are we going? I'm not... I know that sounds pushy, but sometimes that's where connections are built. People, if you feel like you're uncomfortable asking someone to lunch, imagine how they feel. So when you get to, hey, where are we going? What are we doing? Y'all going to lunch? What do y'all have plans tonight? What are you guys doing? Hey, we're watching the football game. You guys want to come over and watch that? You, you sitting around and waiting on someone else to make the move is completely, it's completely irrelevant to where we're trying to go as a church. 
Does that make sense to you guys? Like when you sit around and just say, well, I'll just wait on them. I mean, they're all, I see them all going to lunch together, but nobody asked me to go. We have to always keep in mind, it is your responsibility to build the connections that you want. If you want a relationship, it's your responsibility for that relationship. <clears throat> Number three, it's pretty practical. Send that text message. If you're thinking about someone during the week, send the text message. I mean, what's, what's the harm? All you have to do is, hey, I've been thinking about you today. I hope you're doing good. And we have those fears. Like, what if they think I'm weird for that? How much more encouraging is it for you when you receive a message like that? And so when you're thinking about someone, send the text. Message them on Facebook. Message them on Instagram. We have all the social media stuff now. You don't even have to have their number. You can send a message all over the internet. Send it. Let them know you're thinking about them. Number four. This is one of my favorites. Do not put expectations on people that they know nothing about. Do not tell someone secretly in your own mind, well, they should have invited me to that. They know I love that coffee place. We think stuff like that. They know nothing about the expectations that you have for them. They don't. If they don't know that you have an expectation on them, they don't know how to respond. So if, if you have an expectation for someone, I would say, let it be known. Let them know, hey, this is kind of what I was expecting from you. Was I in the wrong? Is this something that, you know, is not? Realistic expectations. How can people respond to you? How, how do you feel like maybe if they respond to someone else that way, maybe you feel like they don't? Communication. But don't leave them in the dark and then feel like they did something wrong. Also, expectations. Don't put expectations on people that you wouldn't have for yourself. If it's something that you wouldn't do, don't put that expectation on someone else. If you wouldn't invite someone to lunch because you're scared, don't expect them to invite you. Those expectations are unfair, and it destroys community. It destroys churches. <laughs> Number five, when having relationships, like I said, communication, be ready for some hard conversations. You have to be ready to tell someone, that really hurt me. That really bothered me. And you, on the other hand, have to be okay with saying, I'm really sorry. That wasn't my intention. I never meant to hurt you. Relationships are only built on open communication. And when you, like I said, these expectations that you have in your mind that people don't know, you're not giving access to true community. You're not giving access to people what they need. Not only do you need relationships, people need relationships too. And when you don't openly communicate those things, you're not giving access to those people as well. <clears throat> so be ready for those hard conversations. Be ready for saying, I am sorry. Be ready for being open. Be like Jesus and said, I really just needed you to wait with me for an hour. Because then you sit and you think, well, I can't believe they didn't wait with me for an hour. I mean, imagine if Jesus had thought that. I can't believe they didn't. I can't believe they're so selfish and they fell asleep. But he said, I really need you to wait with me. And as easy as that looks, like in the Bible, and we say, oh yeah, of course he came in there and said, hello. 
If you put that in today's times, how many of you would go to your friends and be like, I needed you to wait? Or do we like conjure up things in our head? You know what I'm saying? I know because I do it. I know. <laughs> I'm not saying this to y'all because I'm like, you got No, like I know because I do it. Um, this is for me just as much as it is for you. Understand that you will mess up and other people will mess up. We're not perfect people. Jesus understood that they were tired in the garden. He understood. He understood they were gonna mess up. That's why I came to him and said, okay, I know. He's probably thinking, I know you're so tired, but can you please? Understand people are gonna mess up. Nobody's perfect. How many times have you messed up in a friendship or said something you shouldn't have said or snapped at somebody or responded in a way that wasn't kind? But then you have all these expectations that if your friend messes up one time or those relationships get messed up even just a little bit, that they're just not worth it. You would want the same grace extended to you. <clears throat> Never play the victim. Don't play the victim. Always give others the benefit of the doubt. Because I guarantee you, people are not to get you. It's you're not always the one on the poor receiving end. You have an opportunity to say, I'm sure there's a reason. I'm sure there has to be an explanation for why this happened. I'm sure that this was not on purpose. I'm sure that they didn't intentionally do this. But what we do, we, me included, we sit, we play the victim. We say, nobody likes me. Nobody wants to be around me. Then we don't give people the benefit of the doubt. Well, they're just rude. Well, they just don't care. Well, they just don't want anybody else around them. And we build up these lies, which like I've already said, destroys churches, it destroys relationships, it destroys community. So don't play the victim and always give the benefit of the doubt. You have every opportunity to grow these relationships that you're trying to form. When you sit back and wait on people to feel sorry for you, you are destroying them. And you're not giving people the benefit of the doubt. That's where we go back to having hard conversations. Being willing to say, I know you have a good heart. I just need to know what happened here. Because this kind of confused me. Be willing to have those. They're not easy. I promise I'm not good at them. <clears throat> Always make sure in the midst of this. This is number, is this number eight? Is anybody taking notes? Eight or nine? Eight. Always make sure that you are working on you when you expect people to work on them. You're expecting people when they say, I'm so sorry, I'll work on that. We have a lot of pride and we say, yeah, they should. Make sure you're working on you. Make sure you're not offendable. Make sure there's things in you that are right before you start pointing your finger and throwing stones. This one is, oh, this one's going to hurt. It hurts me, so I know it's going to hurt some of you. Don't be passive aggressive. Don't be passive aggressive about your relationships. Don't be passive aggressive to each other. Don't be passive aggressive on Facebook. Don't be passive aggressive on social media. Don't be passive aggressive in general. 
It's either worth it to you or it's not. These relationships are either worth it to you or they're not at all. And you have to make that decision. Is this worth it to me? Are these relationships worth it to me? Or do I just want to sit back and be passive aggressive about them and make comments about how people just do their own thing or they don't care? I know because I've said them all. But don't be passive aggressive about things because even those things are the very thing that are hindering you. Because I'll be honest, there have been times where I've been passive aggressive and acted like nobody wanted to hang out with me, nobody liked me. And that's when people stopped liking me. (laughs) Because they're like, all she does is complain. (laughs) And then I ended up with no friends. (laughs) And I thought it was all them, but it was all me. (laughs) And this is the last one on my um, 10 things. What's your motivation? Always check your heart. Always make sure you have the right heart. Always make sure that your motivation is in the right place. Are you doing nice things for people because you want them to think that you're like the best thing ever? Are you showing up early to work because you want people to think that you're like the employee of the month? Are you doing it because you have a hard work ethic? Are you doing it because you genuinely love people? Are you doing it because you know that you need relationships and other people need relationships and because you can't do this by yourself. So constantly be in a state of, what's my heart? Where's my heart? My heart posture, where is it? How am I feeling today? Why do I feel that way? Why why do I feel frustrated toward this person? Where's my heart? And something that I've noticed is when my heart is off, there's usually a reason why. It's usually because I'm insecure or I've got pride, or there's something about me that I need to work on, then I start becoming offendable. And then I start realizing my motivation's off. And then I'm not really loving people for the right reasons. Then I find myself trying to bring up conversations so I can vent. And in reality, it should have just been, I want to spend time with you. I don't want you to hear me vent. And that's something that's so easy, is that we build these relationships, and we call them close friendships. And all they really are is just gossip sessions. And I know because it's the reality of where I've been in my life. I consider these my like super good friends. And these are people that I hang out with. In reality, if you were to sit in on these group sessions, you'd be disgusted. Because in, in my past, I just needed somebody to hear me needed somebody to listen to me vent. My motivation was off for relationships. I had no desire to know the deep parts of what makes you, you, or what God's called you to do, or how can I help push you? How can I help grow you? How can I help motivate you? How can I take you from where you were to where you're going? Not because I wanted that, but because I wanted somebody to make me feel good and hype me up. And that we do it. We all do it. So I want you to, I want to challenge you guys actually. You can do this however you want. Um, I do it where I've had, I know, I know Hannah Boatwright does it. We have like little reminders on our phones. How's your heart? Where's your motivation? Check yourself. I would challenge you guys today to do that daily. Whatever you have to do to remind yourself, check your heart. Check your motivations. Check where am, where am I at? Spiritually, where am I at emotionally? And if it has nothing to do with friendships, where are you at? 
just in general? Are you in a good place? Because if you're not in a good place, it's gonna be really hard to love other people rightly. Because if you're insecure and you don't like who you see, you can't love them rightly. You can't love people to the fullest degree that you want to because you're always wondering, they're not gonna find out that thing about me, are they? So I wanna challenge you guys. That's my challenge for today. Can you guys do that? Can you guys, can we all come to agreement that every day we're gonna check our motivation, we're gonna check our heart? <clears throat> I want you guys to uh, also do me one more thing. If you guys can, all, if you guys all come into agreement, I wanna know who in this room says, I come into agreement with this. If you'll stand, I want you guys to stand. If you say, yes, I come into agreement. Will, do you care to come and play? I want you guys to just, all of you guys that stood, I feel you'll just find yourself in a posture of worship for the Lord. Hands lifted, whatever you have to do. If any of you guys want to come up to the altar, that's fine. I want you to get an, an attitude of worship right now. And I want you to just, first off, I want us to repent. Lord, we are sorry for our wrong motives. We are sorry for not loving people the right way. We are sorry that we haven't stepped into everything that you have for us in relationships. God, we repent as a church. We repent as children of God. We just say that we have every desire to have relationships the way that you created them. We have every desire to love people the correct way, to love people the way that you love them. We have every desire to see people the way that you see them. And the gold that's on the inside of people, God, give us fresh eyes to see that. Give us fresh desire to find the gold down deep on the inside of people. God, take away the surface level relationships. Take away the surface level community that just says, I love you, you're cool, high five. God, that you would teach us what real relationships look like, what real community looks like, what real changing a city of Knoxville looks like. And show us that we can't do it by ourselves. We can't spend enough time in our prayer closet alone praying for revival until we step into agreement in addition to our prayer closet with our people, with our community. God, give us fresh revelation. Come on, can you guys just pray that? God, give us fresh revelation of what real relationships look like. God, we repent we repent right now, God. We just say all of the gossip, all of the insecurities, all the things that we have done that, are, that you do not have for our lives. We repent. <clears throat> and in return, God, we ask that you would give us fresh eyes to see, fresh love for people, overwhelming desire to see people made whole, overwhelming desire to see that thing that we just don't like in people. Help us have an overwhelming desire 
to find where that is on the inside of them. The broken pieces be made whole again, God, because we knew how to love rightly. Let us not take relationships for granted. God, you made them for such a time as this and for such a purpose. Let us not take them for granted, God. I ask that this church continues to be in a state of community, unity. And I ask right now that you would give each and every person in this room that stood into agreement a fight to fight for unity in this church every single day that we would fight to see people loved rightly. We would fight to see relationships built. We would fight, not just wait, we would fight for it. That when a relationship looked like it was breaking, we would fight to make that whole again. We will have the hard conversations. We will make sure that we're not putting expectations on people that they don't deserve. God put a fight in us to say, we will have relationships and this church will be a family. We will grow together. We will go from one place to another, from glory to glory together. God, I just thank you for this church. I thank you for this community. I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you that you have a plan for this church. You have a plan for Hope Unlimited. You have a plan for every person in Hope Unlimited. And you don't see them just as people. You see them as treasures. You see each and every person in this room as a treasure and you see the things deep down on the inside of them. God, let us be your hands and feet. Let us be your hands and feet that we wouldn't just tell people to pray about it or we ask that God would bless them, but that we would be the active hands and feet of Jesus that would reach out with their heart and say, I'm here. God, as a church, we come into agreement. We just say yes. We say yes. Come on, if you say yes today, will you just lift your hands across the room? We say yes, Jesus. Come on, can you just tell them in your own way right now? We say yes. We say yes. I just feel like there needs to be a call. If you've been hurt by people in the church, I feel like there's some people in here who've been hurt so deeply that this conversation is so hard for you. These kinds of relationships scare you because you've been really hurt and you feel like people have done you really wrong. And I wanna challenge you with a couple of things with that. Number one, I wanna challenge you to forgive. Whatever's been done wrong to you, we don't take that lightly. I want to challenge you to forgive. I also want to challenge you that you would ask the Lord to give you a heart that's unoffendable moving forward. And I don't want to embarrass anybody, so if you're uncomfortable, it's okay. But if you're in this room and you've been hurt, I'm going to give you a call to the altar. 
We have some people that would be happy to pray with you. We don't want to leave this room with anybody that feels like this, this message isn't for me because I'm just not opening myself up to that again. I want to give you that call and I want to let you know that there's an altar for you to come to, people who'd love to pray with you. But I do want to ask you to forgive. I do want to ask you to pray and ask for a heart that's unoffendable. And I pray right now, even if you're watching online and you've been hurt, I do want to just pray over that. And even if you're, if you're in the room and you didn't want to come forward, that's okay. But Lord, right now, First of all, I thank you that they're in the step of the right direction by even being in this room or watching this service online. That they weren't so turned off by you because they were hurt. I thank you that you've given people a fresh fire and a fresh revelation of your goodness and of what real community and relationships look like. And we get to step into those fresh. And that all of the hurt, all of the pain that has been done to us by church people. God, I ask that you would just wash all of that away. Make us fresh, make us whole again, Lord. So that we can step into fresh relationships, fresh community. And understand that we will fight for this. We may not always get it right. This church may not always get it right. But God, we do promise that we'll fight for it. We do promise that we will do everything we can to make it right. We're all human. We all make mistakes. But Lord, we all say, we've all said we will fight to make it right. Jesus. Come on, can you guys just worship right now? I just want to thank the Lord right now for what he's doing in this room. I feel like I really, really do feel like there's people being healed from past hurts. I don't know if they're, if I don't know if you're in the room, I don't know if you're watching online, but I want you to know the Lord wants to heal that. It's not his will that you be broken forever because you were hurt. He wants to restore all of that. He wants to heal all of that. Jesus, we just thank you that you're doing it right now. You're doing it now, and you will continue doing it. You will continue making things right. So Jesus, we just love you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit hopeunlimited.church slash give. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hope Unlimited Church.